Don't look, just take my word for it. Stop looking. It is I, Poetess, my angel, coming to you from Derek and Romaine 2.0. But I was unaware that Romaine would not be here. Because I am omniscient and omnipresent, I can see her at this very moment. And I can tell you, with authority, that she's sitting on the toilet, taking a massive dump, while flipping through a vinylmation catalog. Ass open to the wind. Stick it in. Here I am. And here I am. It's me, live, Adam Sack here on the Ass, and that was our new show open. Compliments of, uh, or courtesy of Brian, listener Brian sent us that. It is my last week ever doing the Adam Sank show, at least for now, but we finally got our own show open, and that's exciting. So thank you, Brian. Um, I don't know where he found that first clip about me talking about being gay, Jewish, left-handed, and small penis. That's from like 15 years ago, but he somehow dug that up on YouTube. And so kudos to him, I say. Um, so you've been using the same tired material for 15 I basically years. have, Jeff. That's um, <laughs> asshole ADD Jeff, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, my trusty sidekick. Also with us today is the beautiful and nubile Orlando, who's running the board again. Uh, Katie K. Kate is bopping around the studio making drinks for everyone. Lexi is here. We have a full house. It is Pride Weekend here in New York City, um, as well as in San Francisco. I want to wish everyone a happy Pride I don't know that straight people understand that our pride goes on for months. It's not all the same weekend in every city. We stagger it. We're very crafty that way. We start our pride celebrations in May, and they go all the way through October. So depending on where you live, um, your pride might be in the spring, summer, or fall. And this way, if you're a traveling gay and you have the means and you have a lot of time off, you can literally attend almost every pride celebration across the country and just be filled with pride. Um, we're going to be talking about what pride means today and whether or not it should be a celebration or a protest, or perhaps both. Um, we'll be taking your phone calls, of course, at 844-TALK-DNR. As always, when you call in, you're not going to talk to a person before you talk to me. You're just going to hear the show in your ear. That means you're connected. Don't hang up. Keep listening and I will get to your call. Uh, but I do want to hear from you. Tell me what you think pride should be. Should it just be fun and celebratory and uh, filled with fucking uh, or should it be uh, serious and uh, and action oriented and political or should there be a combination of both? There is much disagreement and controversy about that, especially this year as we're living under Der Fuhrer, Donald Trump, and Miss Mike Pence. Oh, uh, my God. Her lordship. Why do you call Miss? Because she's a big woman, as far as I'm concerned. She's a self-hating woman. Um, and on the second half of the show, this is the most exciting thing. We will be talking to someone that I have been a fan of for most of my life, former child star Glenn Scarpelli of TV's One Day at a Time will be joining us live on the phone. Um, I grew up watching Glenn on TV and a few years ago I reached out to him because I saw that he was a gay. He was an open gay, Jeff. And he, he is? Yes. And I we didn't had know that. Many, many mutual friends. And I said, hey, Glenn Scarpelli, I love you. When I was little I used to do an imitation of you. And uh, he was very sweet and gracious, and we became Facebook friends. And he's one of those people that I've never met in real life. This will be the first time we've actually spoken to each other. 
Um, but I feel like he's a true friend. That's how awesome he is on Facebook. And he has the world's greatest Facebook page because all of his throwback Thursdays are like him with every celebrity from the 70s and 80s. He knew everyone. He didn't just know the cast of One Day at a Time. He seemed to know the cast of every show. So it's like, here's me with the cast of The Facts of Life. Here's me with the cast of Different Strokes. Like, he, they all knew each other, all those kid stars. And Do you think What's-Her-Face had something to do with that, though? The one with the big drug problems. What's her name? Mackenzie? Yeah, that one. Well, uh, he's actually very close to Mackenzie Phillips to this day. He, he, he remains close with the entire cast. And... Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know how he's going to want to talk about that with us. But uh, oh, I'm not going to ask him. I'm just saying, though. Don't you think that he probably knew all the other child stars because she knew all the other child? Oh, you think stars she was the, the that were the also doing the coke link. and the you know <laughs> blah blah blah. And, I don't know. I mean, he was really young when he was on that show. She was, you know, so her, was she. No, she was like in her late twenties at that point. He was like thirteen. There's a big age gap there. He wasn't part of the original cast. They brought no, him I know. in he later like a couple as Anne Romano's right? adopted son. Was but, he um, the adopted son, or was he like, a, like I thought for a while he was Schneider's like right hand man or something. No, he had nothing to do with Schneider. He he. And then his dad lived in the building. Glenn will straighten this out for us. But yes, his dad lived in the building, and his dad was single, and Anne Romano was single, and they started dating. Okay. And so, but then something happened. I think the father abandoned he him died. Oh, okay. or died, and so Anne became his de facto mother. Yeah. But anyway, we're gonna after talk- she smacked the shit out of him on the clip I saw. Right? Yes, you were gonna be playing wow. that famous clip, the slap heard around the world. She slapped um, a lot of people on that show, though. Well, you know, she was an interesting character, that Anne Romano, because she she That's wasn't she wasn't it. always warm and fuzzy. No, of course not. She was. Was a, your mom? She, <laughs> mom, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> Call in and tell us if you were always warm and fuzzy, mom. Eight four four talk dinner. Uh, no, I love my mother. But um, but yeah, it was it was a great show because it, like a lot of those '70s sitcoms, it was not always funny, right? And they got very real sometimes and very, um, kind of edgy. Right. And uh, you'll hear... Well, I mean, I don't think it's edgy to smack your kid, by the way. Like, today it's edgy because those fuckers will call social services on you in a heartbeat. Those kids. I don't think anyone condones child abuse, but if you... A smack in the face is not child abuse. In that particular clip, Alex was so fucking out of control that he needed to be slapped. And so I... uh, Some slapping is okay. So... Um, I want to talk about a couple different things before we get into that. But as I said, I'm excited to talk to Glenn Scarpelli later in the hour. If you want to, if you guys want to call in this half of the show, the first half at 844-TALK-DNR, you can let me know any questions you have for Glenn. I have a million questions for him. I, my whole life, all I wanted was to grow up a famous child star in Hollywood, and that never happened. But it happened for him, so I want to know everything. Also, in gay news this week, the headline... Queen Elizabeth vows to protect LGBTQ rights, comma, will not be meeting with Trump for tea anytime soon. Shade! Good for her. Where's the shade belt? Thank you. Where's the shade sound effect, Orlando? Okay. In an address... <laughs> shows off to a great start. In an address to the UK Parliament, the 91-year-old monarch said her government was pledging to protect LGBTQ people from discrimination. Said the Queen, My government will make further progress to tackle the gender pay gap and discrimination against people on the basis of their race, faith, gender, disability, 
or sexual orientation. That, you just jumped the shark the whole thing with that quote. Like, Why? We, we were into, like, she's all for LGBT, and then well, she talks about the pay gender gap, yes. and then we move into, like, this I agree. fucking... This uh, was the gay spin uh, on. The gay spin on the story was, like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us, but really, she just included us. everybody. But it was a big right. deal. No British monarch has ever included us. So that was historic. Um, she also informed the public that the rumored visit, rumored state visit by Donald Trump would not be happening. Good. Shade. He's right. been rather... He's, Thank you. He's been a rather, rather of a bitch to London in general. Who and, hasn't he been a bitch to? I mean, He's a fuck. despicable person. And I don't want to talk about him this weekend because it's pride. And I don't want to think about him. Also in the news, for you sports fans out there, ex-NFL player Ryan O'Callaghan has come out. Uh, he played for... Uh, he was in the NFL. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah, you I should don't know, know this. He, or, or what team? <laughs> he <laughs> he was a hulking offensive lineman from the University of California. He went on to play for the New England Patriots and then the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he he's a big boy. He's he's bottom. six. I don't know that he's a bottom Orlando. Let's not uh, slander him. Yeah, Orlando. That way. Weren't you just saying something about like you can? He never might tell. be a top, or he might only be into uh, uh, sucking. We don't know. But he's uh, six foot seven and three hundred and thirty pounds. So if you're a bear lover, Ryan O'Callaghan is I'm your. A bear uh, lover. Are you? Oh, I love bears. He's well, I love muscle bears. I don't like the like de facto fat bear. I've been with some big guys. I've never been with someone that big, and I kind of just want to know what it feels like to have someone who's six foot seven and three hundred and thirty pounds lie on top of me. I know. Like I just want to feel yeah. like like having an oak tree just yes. like lying on you. So, but he got really so he after his football career ended, he became so depressed that he was suicidal and started seeing a therapist. She convinced him to come out, which he now has. And um, what struck me about this story, first of all, I'm thrilled for him. And yes. obviously, the moral of the story is don't kill yourself. Come out. Be who you are. Um, and you will be accepted by the people who matter in your life. But what interested me more is, according to OutSports, O'Callaghan now becomes the seventh person to have played in an NFL game and subsequently come out as gay. I mean, I, I can't believe they're still tracking shit like that. Well, okay. It's a big deal because we think no, of is. certain sports as being more gay-friendly than others, and football, I think of as being the least for sure. gay-friendly and the least likely for gay men to get involved in. But uh, along with O'Callaghan, there's Dave Copay, Jerry Smith, Ray McDonald, Roy Simmons, Asara Twalo, and Kwame Harris, all None of, of whom them I know. revealed their sexuality after their football careers ended. Um, and that got me thinking about openly LGBT athletes in general. And again, I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. But I know there are many, many gay sports fans out there, right. uh, men and women, who love to, to keep up with whatever sport is, is their passion. And so I just thought, for shits and giggles, here's a list of the, the biggest, the most prominent openly LGBT athletes to come out. Ready? Determined by who, since you're not a sports fan? Um, <laughs> I went on many different websites. All right. And uh, this is according to OutSports. Uh, Martina Navratilova and Billie Jean King, of course. Duh. Greg Luganis. Duh. A.K.A. Lusanus. Thank you. Uh, Billy Bean. Billy was Bean. a baseball player okay, who famously yeah. came yep. out in the 90s. Jason Collins, basketball. Brittany Griner, the WNBA. Cheryl Swoops, also the WNBA. John Amici, NBA player. I thought WNBA just meant lesbian in general. Yes, it pretty much does. Megan Rapinoe is an Olympic soccer player. Liz Carmouche is a UCF fighter. 
Shamik Holdsclaw is another WNBA. They do have a lot of uh, UCF or UFC. Lesbians. Uh, excuse me, UFC. Okay. <laughs> What's UCF? I have no idea. That's why I was like, <laughs> and that's like the one sport I do follow because a hot guys in underwear are, wrestling and grappling hot. on each other. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Mitchum, Olympic diver. Robbie Rogers, soccer player over in the UK. Orlando Cruz, openly gay boxer. And uh, my favorite, because I just have been watching him on the v- on VH1's The Challenge, Gus Kenworthy, an Olympic freestyle skier who is absolutely delicious. Mm. I love me some Gus Kenworthy. He is buttworthy, oh my if you know what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, hooray for all of our, our LGBT athletes. And I, you know, I think we spend so much time focusing on celebrities, like actors who come out, and that's great, and that's important too. But um, in some ways, I think being an openly gay sports celebrity is even more important because it shatters stereotypes and it lets um, young gay athletes know that they can compete and still be who they are and not have to hide it. And I think the more athletes come out, it's the same old story. The more their teammates fucking deal with it. And we were talking about this a little bit before the show started. I went home to visit my family last week and we had this crazy family dinner. My family's batshit crazy and our family dinner you know we discussed trans issues and trans bathrooms and then that led to a discussion about public shitting and tandem toilets that have no walls between them and could you ever shit in a toilet i mean it was just this is as we're eating dinner with my sister's in-laws who are rather proper people and all of my nieces and nephews and my um i have two nephews the youngest two who are in middle school and they both have openly gay friends, openly trans friends. Um, you know, one of them is a sixth grader, and he's talking about this stuff like it's no big deal. And he's like, oh, yeah, this friend of mine, I think he's gay, and this friend is bisexual. And I just thought, my God, my God, none of this could have happened right. when I was their age. So um, we have come a long way. I mean, that brings you back to the whole topic of, of pride and what we were discussing before the show started. Exactly. And by the way, Katie just made me what was supposed to be a vodka and soda, and it pretty much tastes like vodka and vodka. There so? Is, I don't, is what there are you any, bitching about? Is there any soda water in this cup? Orlando. Yellow. 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 Orlando, turn on Katie's mic, <laughs> I actually thought I made these drinks too weak. I think so, too. This, okay. If I, I had a match, <laughs> I could light this on fire. Because we had to share. No, like, but you saw how much soda, because I brought them yeah. in soda water. The cups were 60% filled with the soda water. I'm going to have like three sips of this and then be done. So You're you can pour this back into the bottle. It's three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm a Jew. We're not heavy drinkers. The only reason I'm drinking now is because I'm so hungover from last night. I had a gig down in Philadelphia and it was with straight boys and they were feeding me shots. I don't know why. I don't know what they hope to accomplish, but all that is accomplished is my Oh, you know what you hope they hoped to have accomplished. Can I tell you something? <laughs> I was in Philly. I was actually in King of Prussia, which is a suburb of Philly. And it's known for having the largest mall in America in terms of square footage. It's okay. a three million square foot mall. And they also have this casino called Valley Forge, and that's where I was performing. And it's straight, straight, straight. There wasn't one gay person in the audience. It was me and straight comics. The headliner was named The Fat Rat Bastard. Okay. That's his name, to give you an idea of what kind of show this was. And... um. And I did surprisingly well. It was the kind of audience where like, they wanted to be shocked. And so I was like as dirty as I could. And they were loving it. And some of them were hating it. But the ones who were loving it were really loving it. It was that kind of thing. So afterwards, 
we all go, we leave the comedy room and we go up to this bar area where they have karaoke. We all being you and all the other Me comics. and the straight guy comics. Okay. And they're all hitting on these really sad looking chicks who are basically comedy groupies who come to every show down there hoping to get some comedy dick. And, uh, and I'm just like bored and, you know, watching the karaoke people, some of whom, by the way, were great. This woman got up and did Let It Go and she was so fucking good I videotaped it. Oh, wow. She was amazing. But anyway... I look over and I see this man sitting at the bar, this bald daddy with green eyes. And he was like one of these guys where he was a small guy, but he was really muscular. He was like wiry, wiry, but really proportional. And he just looked at me and he smiled and nodded. And I thought, well, that doesn't happen. Right? Mm -hmm. Like when straight guys don't look at other guys that they've never met before and nod nod and smile ever. That does not happen. So I turned to the straight guys, comedians, and I said, you see that guy at the bar? And they said, yeah. And I said, I- I'm going to have sex with him tonight. Did you? And they were like, well, shut up. You are nuts. So I go over to this guy. I go, how's it going? Were you at the comedy show? He's like, what? No, I didn't know there was a comedy show. So we start talking. And uh, he says, you know, I, uh, a friend of mine does these events down here, and we could use some comedians. Why don't you give me your card? Mm-hmm. So I'm handing him my card, which has, and I go, my phone number's on the card, by the way. And all the straight comedians are behind me going, oh, my God. Like, they totally think it's happening now. Right. So then I go, so what are you doing here tonight? He goes, well, my wife had an event, and uh, I didn't want to go to that, so I just decided to come here and drink. Mm. And I was like, hmm. I get my dick. I like the sound of this. Right. (laughs) No, that's not the sad part of the story, Orlando. That's the happy part of the story. So you can talk, by the way. You don't have to, you know lip sync your thoughts you can actually bring the microphone to your face and chime in here. he's saving his precious voice i for guess the intern show that yes. airs right after this show today so i'm working this guy so hard and i'm like what do you do for a living he goes i'm a carpenter and then i just oh, came i came in my pants and uh it, it, he just was so cute and charming and i really felt a strong flirt vibe and then all of a sudden i see him paying the bill and i go uh-oh are you leaving and he goes, yeah, I just got a wife from my tech. I, I just got a text from my wife. Wow. I got to run. And I was like, now you can play the sound effect, Orlando. Because you didn't. Okay. And that was my penis deflating as of he course. walked out. And I thought, you know what? He's going to text me. He's got my number. He's going to text me and say, what room are you in? But no, that didn't happen. So and who bought you shots? Uh, the other comics were buying me shots. Because you failed? They were buying shots for each other. It was the, you Epic know, fail? They just wanted, they want to get drunk together and they wanted me to get drunk with them. They were the nicest guys. I love straight guy comedians. They're like my favorite people in the world to hang out with. I'd much rather hang out with them than gay comics. I think you're their backup pussy. You know, they're, I'll tell you what, they're very flirtatious and they like to play with the idea of having sex with me, but right. none of them ever have or, or, or would, I don't think. That's because you haven't enacted on it. Mm, I don't know. I just think they don't want... I, I think that they're too scared and that... You know, there's a part of everyone who's curious about what sex would be like with... Uh, you know, if you're straight, you're curious about gay sex. If you're gay, you're curious about straight sex. If you're bi, like Lexi, you're not curious. You just do it. You just have it. Right. Um, but I don't think they really... Amen. They want pussy. Right, Amen. Lexi? I want pussy and it. Is your mic on? Oh, good. It is. They want friction, not pussy. They want friction. Let me put it this way. If they they thought they could do it without anyone ever finding out. They would do it. They would do it. But they're afraid that I'm going to blab, which I would. 
by the way, because I'm not going to keep that. I'm going to share that with I as have many to people. I take you under my wing and show you how to like. Are coax you good at seducing? Oh my strange? god! You know how many toasters I have. You get a toaster for every straight man. You fucking. Hey, what would you have? Hey, 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 hey. Yes, Lexi. Back to the bisexuals here. <laughs> Lexi, who's been ignoring me for the entire show, suddenly know, is interested because I talked about Lexi mm-hmm. as a bisexual. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that uh, pride? This will dovetail into our next conversation. That the pride celebrations we have every year and the pride marches do they do enough to uh, support bisexual people? No. Why not? Because it's mainly about lesbians and gays. It's not about bisexuals. Like literally, the Q they stands call for us queer, queer. No, let her yeah. talk. But basically, they think because of bisexuals, and I'm being honest here, I don't care, don't, don't, listen, this is me, this is Lexi. Um, I think that because of us being, people like me being bisexual, they think that we're just, there's no, like, we're confused. No, it's not being confused, it's the fact of, I like women, and I also like men. I can't just pick one because I'm too greedy. It's not my fault. I was gonna say. That's just how I am. But born. Lexi, how, c- how could we make pride more inclusive? Specifically, what can we do to make bisexuals feel like they're they're a part of our community? I mean, that's just in my opinion. Now, maybe other bisexuals think that, oh yeah, pride is for me too, you know. But in my opinion, no, I don't think do so. Do you go to pride events at all? Any of them? Um, I did go to the um, I think it was Queens. Okay. It was Queens? Okay. Yeah. I went to the Queens one. I think I'm going to the Manhattan one. I don't know yet. I'm still deciding. See, to me, uh, and and again, I'm a white, gay, (laughs) cisgender male, and I have to qualify all of my privileges. But for me, it's a celebration of anyone who is outside of the mainstream of sexuality and or gender, right? Which I do understand. It celebrates all of us. But... Um, there is this controversy and there has been this controversy for years. It's particularly um, at a fevered pitch right now about whether or not pride has become too, too corporate, too white, um, and too male. And uh. there are many people... I hear it all the time. I hear people in New York City call it the gay pride parade. Well, it's not a parade. It was never supposed to be a parade. It's the gay pride march. It started as a protest march in 1970... Uh, to commemorate the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which happened the year before in 1969. And even at that first march in 1970, organizers fought over whether it should be called a gay pride march or a gay power march. Um, They debated whether people who joined the march, which went from Greenwich Village to Central Park, whether they should be required to follow a dress code. They actually debated this because they didn't want it to be a bunch of naked, sexual, you know... Right crazy acting people they wanted it to be like a serious political protest and over the years i think it's become more of a celebration of our sexuality rather than a protest of the repression of our sexuality which one is the okay hold on so there's like what we call the march or the parade or whatever which is on sunday right it's the march yes. but there's usually something on saturday too which is unsanctioned but people still march down fifth avenue and the police sort of, like, help maintain order and control, but it's not, like, a parade they've been permitted for or anything. I think it's more with the lesbians, too. I think well, it's, like, the, there the are dyke no, march or something. Right. There are a number of different marches and events that happen not just in Manhattan, but in all five boroughs yeah. over the course of the weekend. It's a massive thing. Um, 
But what's happening now is because we're living under this repressive administration um, where people are rightly terrified of Donald Trump and Mike Pence and the um, what they've rolled back already in terms of protections for LGBT people, both in the federal government and in schools. Uh, transgender kids can no longer use the bathroom right. of their of their gender identity. Um, June was not declared a uh, LGBT Pride Month for the first time since uh, since before Bill Clinton was in office. Right. Um, so we're, it's a scary time, and at the same time, people of color are getting killed on the regular by okay. police officers, which is. An issue that we just can't we can't ignore that. Um, Let me women women hold on, hold on. Women are on the verge of losing their reproductive rights as as we're we're seeing the Republicans try to gut Planned Parenthood yet again in this recent hideous health care bill, which is essentially a transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich, um, and the deprivation of health care for most working Americans. So there's all this shit going on. People are terrified. You also have stuff happening in Chechnya, and and there's 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 just so much repression and a lot of groups are saying we don't want to be part of your corporate pride parade with your floats and your go-go boys and your corporate sponsors we want it we want to protest we want action and that's what this should be about and others are saying well it can be about that for you but it's not going to be about that for everyone some people for some people show just showing up to a gay pride march is a political act just standing there holding their little rainbow flag and waving it as people walk by, that may be the, the most political thing they've ever done or will ever do. And shouldn't, shouldn't it be a safe space for those people as well? It definitely should. But I, here, here's my thoughts on the matter in general. I, I think that we should all recognize what the original idea of Pride was about. And it was about protest and it was about fighting for our rights and getting what we wanted. And as time went on, and it did take us a long time, we started to get the things that we were asking for, for, for civil rights, basic civil rights, to get married, you know, to be recognized as a married couple uh, by both church and state. Well, not, not, not church, state, whatever. You get the drift. So my thing is, so yes, it became more of a celebration. But I think now, in our current time, uh, yeah, some of it will go back to protest. And some of, some of the people... Uh, that have a history to recall and remember how some of the things that Trump is doing uh, will bring us back to a time where we had to fight again or protest. Those are the people that are going to be the ones that are protesting this year and, and you know, realizing that we can't go backwards. We, we have to s- stand up for the rights that we've earned and, you know, they'll go from there. Hopefully, the younger generation that only sees it as a celebration will come to realize what pride was really about, and they will come to realize that it's important for them to learn the history so that they can recognize when someone's trying to encroach on their civil liberties as homosexuals. And I think it should be completely separated between, like, pride is for the gays and Black History Month is for the blacks. I I don't need, like, Black Lives Matter jumping in the front of my pride parade and stopping that. That would be like me on Martin Luther King Day, like, you know, with big rainbow flags marching in front of, you know, Black Lives Matter. I I think it's equally egregious. Except if we are a social justice movement, then we need to support social justice for everyone. Agreed, but I mean... and, And to me, Black Lives Matter should be a priority for the LGBT community, just like it should be a priority 
for all communities because we can't just have one group being shot on a daily basis for no reason by our law enforcement officers. We have to all be concerned about that. The question is, what do we focus on when it's Sunday of gay pride? Is that the the main issue? Is the main issue the main issue women's is rights? About is the main issue homosexual trans civil rights. rights? No, it's about it's about well, first of all, no LGBTQ, one says homosexual whatever, anymore. Whatever. Yeah, it's about all the rights that LGBTQ people have fought for, are still facing today, and need to stand up for. And when it's Black History Month, I'll gladly march with Black Lives Matter. I'm well, not first saying, of all, Black Lives Matter doesn't care about Black no, History I know. Month. Listen, that I'm goes saying, nothing whatever. to do with, another, with each other. My I, point I, is I, they're I, separate identities, and they should remain separate, and I don't think one of us well, should be it, standing in the front if of you're the black other's and gay, whoa, 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 If you're black whoa, whoa, whoa. and gay, they're not separate identities. Go ahead, Lexi. What about Black Lives Matter? We <laughs> did you just join? Did you just start listening to this conversation? We've been talking no, about I'm it for the last five I'm minutes. Listening. No, I mean the point is, should Black Lives Matter and other important uh, causes be included in the Pride March and part of the Pride uh, well, Pride events? It's two different things. I mean, Thank all you. lives matter, right? No matter what, all lives matter. But it's two literally two different things. Pride is about the LGBTQ community. And black lives is about black lives. I'm not saying they can't represent in the gay pride parade, but they should not obstruct not a parade. the march. <laughs> Fuck you. I hate you. <laughs> they should not obstruct. I don't think anyone should obstruct the march of one. Listen, here, here we have to go uh, leave this topic because we got to yeah, talk to Glenn Scarpelli. But, but my bottom line is for the people who want it to be a protest, it should be a protest. For, For the sure. people who want it to be a celebration and a day of joy about everything we have accomplished, it should be that. There should, should be, be room combo. for everyone. Yes. And I think in the in the marches that I've seen, I've lived in New York for 20 years, I've seen both side by side. I've seen a, a float go by with a bunch of half-naked go-go boys, right. and then I've seen a, a, a float go by that, that was highly political, that was about AIDS or about racism right. or about feminism, and I think everyone belongs in that march. For sure. And I hope everyone in New York and San Francisco has a wonderful, happy, and safe Pride uh, tomorrow. Now, we have to get to our celebrity guest, who, uh, as I said earlier, I have been a fan of since I was a wee child, um, grew up watching on television, and um, always had a little crush on. And even when I was little, I made a video, a homemade video, where I pretended to be him, which we won't go into right now. Um, and he is, uh, he's most well known as, uh, Alex on TV's One Day at a Time. Let's hear a little bit of that. You think I'm kidding? Well, let me tell you something. I hate this building and I hate this new apartment that you decorated. I was being helpful. You were butting in. That's not true. Yes, it no, is. You were butting in, taking over. Look, Alex, you are being unfair. You are being totally unfair. You're acting like a brat. A spoiled, rotten, obnoxious brat. Yeah. And maybe I damn well better take over because it doesn't look like your mother or father are doing a very good job. I hate you. Alex, I hate you. Alex! I hate you. And if you were such a great mother, how come your kids dropped out of school and ran away, huh? Alex! And that was the great Glenn Scarpelli being slapped by Bonnie Franklin joining us live from Sedona, Arizona now is Glenn Scarpelli. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. Oh my gosh, you guys. Adam, I can't fucking believe we're actually talking. Right? We've been friends for years on Facebook and this is the first time I've heard your adult voice. 
I know. You know, it's crazy because I heard you. I was. I've been listening for the whole half hour of the show, and okay. I heard your introduction. And I feel so close to you, dude. Isn't I mean, that like, weird? I know that it's only been through social media, but I feel really connected to you. Yeah, if you weren't married, I would kind of stalk you and and try to get you to be my husband. Because it's going to be a catfish <laughs> episode. I feel it. Catfish. Someone's being catfished right now. Exactly. <laughs> Is this the real Glenn Scarpelli? Well, I've been trying to negotiate you as at least my weekend pass, but that hasn't gone over so well. Yes, please. (laughs) Glenn, do you remember taping that episode when Bonnie Franklin slapped you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I I also heard in the beginning of your show, everyone was confused at how I fucking got on the show. Yeah, tell us. I was always confused as to who the fuck was this guy on the show, right? So, um... In, the first se- in my first season, which I think was season either five or six, I- I'm very bad at numbers. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm with a good Jew boy, because he's really good at all the <laughs> we are, We're good at that stuff. You're very good. I know nothing from timelines and numbers. But anyway, season five or six, somewhere in there, I'm sure someone is, can ref- you know, clarify that. Um, Mackenzie Phillips was fired. And because of her drug problem. Yes. Yeah. And then I got hired, and, and the, the storyline was Anne Romano had a boyfriend, played by Ron Rifkin, wonderful actor, mm. and I played his son. So she was kind of like my stepmom to be in the fir- my first season on the show. And that episode that you played was specifically about our relationship. I saw her as a stepmom. I hated her. I didn't want her in my dad's life. I tell her I hate her, I throw the plant down, and then she slaps me. I agree with her, by the way. You were a fucking brat. In that <laughs> I was episode. a fucking brat! Yeah, what you, can't, what you can't tell from that clip is before he gets slapped, he picks up a heavy plant right. and crashes it down onto the ground, and it shatters into a million pieces. So I would have slapped and, the shit out of you, too. I know, but I kind of like it. That's I was going to say! It was very I mean, dramatic. Like, it was kind of your mommy dearest moment. I know, but if you want to slap me, tell me again slow. <laughs> how how did it did she really slap you okay so here's the story behind that episode that was really the first real big bonnie and you know the, the episode that i had with bonnie that really brought our characters together and, and our characters really grew together of course over right. the years so that one was a really big deal for me and my character and yeah you know she they said we're you know she's gonna slap you but during rehearsals, we didn't know when she was actually going to do that. So she did it. We had a Wednesday night run-through of which she did it, and it was freaking awesome. Then comes Thursday night, and I'll never forget it because my mom wasn't feeling good that week, and Bonnie actually came to the condo they had put me in because I wasn't officially living in L.A. yet. You know, I'm a New Yorker. Right. So um, I wasn't officially living in L.A., so one day at a time put me up in this little condo, and Bon picked me up that morning, and we talked about it. And she said, I'm, I'm going to slap you again tonight. I said, okay, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> please, please and, do. Please do, exactly. <laughs> but because I knew it, I flinched. And I kind of turned, and she hit my ear, and she almost knocked me the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie Franklin had a mean right hook. I'm telling you. And I was, like, literally on the floor. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I didn't hurt you. Did I hurt you? <laughs> Right during the run-through. And I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. So by the time we actually shot the show on Friday night, which, of course, was in front of a live audience, I just realized I just have to look straight on. If you watch it, you'll see, like, I am not looking at her. I'm just looking straight ahead, knowing that, fuck, I'm about to get slapped. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, we got the take we needed. 
Well, when I was looking was, for clips, I, I, I came across that one, and I was like, this is a camp classic. I need to run this one on the, uh, on the gay radio I, show. Now, Glenn, you were born here in Staten Island. Yes. In fact, I'm wearing a shirt right now that my, one of my Staten Island, South Beach Staten Island shirts, that's what we're talking. Woohoo! And your father was an illustrator for Archie Comics. Is that right? Yeah, Betty, Veronica, Archie. For 47 years, my dad um, drew Archie. Amazing. Archie's gay. Archie's gay. No, that other dude's gay now, that Kevin character, they right? They added a gay character. Yeah. It was okay. unbelievable. I'm so proud of them. But Glenn, by the time you were 10 years old, you were appearing on Broadway with Anne Bancroft. How does that happen? How do you go from, from Staten Island to Broadway by the time you're 10? Um, well, you know, Adam, when I was a kid, I kind of like, I, I set foot on stage in a kindergarten play, and I was like, I'm home. <laughs> so I just, I just loved it. Like, I loved every minute of it. I loved everything about it. So I begged and begged and begged my mom and begged my mom, please, I want to get in the business. She said, well, when you grow up. And I'm like, no, now. And she was going to have a lot of children, and then just, then that didn't happen. So I'm, I'm an only child, oh. which definitely played a role in how that happened, because it really required so much of my mom and dad's attention to make it happen. They gave up a lot to make it happen. And, um, and then finally she said, okay, do you really want to do this? I was about eight now at this point. And I said, yes. So she said, well, let's meet a manager in Manhattan, and I did. And, and I just started going up on auditions, and my first Broadway audition, I actually fucking booked. And had you had so, any kind of training, or you were just a natural? I had no training, none whatsoever. Because I have to say, when I was watching those clips, and you were, what, like 14 when you were on One Day at a Time? 14, yep. You're a really good actor. Like, you're, oh, very, you're very natural. and Adam, he's married. Authentic. Shut up, I'm not hitting on him, I'm just being honest, like... You, sometimes you look back at those shows and you go like, oh, that kid sucks. But I was like watching it. I'm like, Glenn was really fucking good. Uh, and, thank you so much, dude. And the fact that you didn't train is kind of amazing to me. And I was saying earlier, your Facebook page is littered with the greatest celebrity photos of you and like every star of the 70s and 80s. And <laughs> I understand how you knew the One Day at a Time cast, but how the fuck did you know everybody else? Well, a lot of what happened was, you know, Norman Lear, who, of course, created and did our show, yes. did so many shows. So we were all on the same lot. Eventually, we all moved to the Universal Studios lot. And um, uh, Facts of Life, Different Strokes, Silver Spoons with Jason Bateman and Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, we all went so. to school together so in cool. the back lot in, these, in this big, like, uh, you know, truck that had different school rooms, but they all had like adjoining doors. And so that was my high school. Those were the kids literally in my high school. I went to school from the age of 14. I mean, I went to, I did one day at a time to the, from the age of 14 through 18, which is exactly my high school. Right. And I went to professional children's school, PCS on West 60th between Amsterdam and Columbus in New York, but it was a total correspondence if I needed it to be a correspondence course, which is really what I wound up doing because I booked the series in my freshman year, October of my freshman year. So those were all my high school buddies. And one of these days, I really want to have a high school reunion with all of them. Wouldn't that be fun? I want to come. Yeah, me too. Oh, that'd be so fun. That would be so cool. Now, I would you, love it. Were you aware that you were gay? And, and were you closeted about it? How do you, how do you handle that at that time? Yeah, I was totally aware. Okay, so like, 
I did Richard III on Broadway with Al Pacino when I was 12. As one does. And, and, <laughs> and he, we were standing in the wings waiting to go on in the scene, and he whispered something in my ear, and I got a fucking heart on. Really? And I was like, oh! What did okay. he whisper? Did he whisper, like, I want to fuck you? Like, what did he whisper in your ear? Oh, no, I wish. Some candy? I mean, he was 40. I was 12, and I had, like, this huge fucking crush on Al Pacino. So, <laughs> I mean, but who wouldn't? I mean, have you seen him? Yeah, he was so, never my type. Oh, no? Mm. You're, you're I was more ball. of a John Travolta type than, a, uh, oh, yeah, than, than an Al Pacino. But, okay, so, so you get the heart on, and then what happens? So, basically, <laughs> I, I very much knew early on that I was gay, so... Yeah, I was very closeted. You know, this is like, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. Right. I was a kid. I wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready to talk about it. I hadn't been with guys. I, I actually wasn't with guys until I was like, gosh, yeah. 18 going on 19. I met my first boyfriend who I fell madly in love with. We were together seven years. And then he passed away, actually, oh, in wow. 1992. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, thanks, dude. But, um... Yeah, so it wasn't until, like, I was really ready, and honestly, that's when I left the industry, was around 19 years old, because I wanted privacy, and I really wanted to be gay, I just wanted some dick, so I was like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm like, I really don't want this microscope on me anymore, because... Everyone knew what I was doing, and I really left at a time when I was really being offered a lot of shit, and like my publicist, my agent, my manager, everyone was pissed off at me because they were all like, you know, sucking off the tit. Everybody was making money. So I did, it was not convenient for everyone, but even then, I didn't come out to everybody. I had fallen in love with this guy named Gary who lived in New York. He was a theatrical manager. He was probably 11 years older than me. I was 19. He was going on 30. And Cradle Robert. I, I, <laughs> he was really hot, very, very hot. And, um, and, and we fell in love. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell everyone I'm going to school, which I did. I went to NYU film school. Hmm. And, and that was what, like, I was my excuse publicly for leaving. But the truth was, I was gay, and I just wanted to, like, have some <laughs> privacy and be in this relationship and get laid finally and explore who I am and, be real about who I am. Get authentic. Totally. So that's kind of the path. Good for you. Glenn, Glenn our phone's lighting up. Would you mind if we took a phone call and asked, had a caller ask you a question? Sure. All right. Who do we have on the line here? I don't know who it is. They're area code 732. 732, go ahead. You're on with Glenn Scarpelli. Hi. My, my name is Frank. Glenn probably remembers me from last year. I met him at Chilla Theater in Pawsippany, New Jersey. Glenn, do you remember Creepy Frank? Uh, so, oh, did we drop Glenn as we tried to take the call? Accidentally. This is why I didn't Oops. want to take the call. Uh, I know. All right, Frank, Oops, t- how was your experience with Glenn in Parsippany? What happened? Oh, my God, it was amazing. He is the most amazing guy I've ever met in my life. I had just discovered him for the first time watching One Day at a Time in January 2016. And I, I knew he was somebody special at that time. And when I Googled him, I met him on Facebook and... We had a rapport, and then when I met him, oh my God, it was like two friends had uh, had discovered each other. Because I'm originally from Staten Island, like he is, and I'm also gay. And we, he called me his fellow gay Staten Islander, and it was just one of the most amazing moments in my life to meet this person that I was able to look up to. Um, he reminded me of me in many ways. I always wanted to be an entertainer, but life intervened, 
But, uh, he seems like, from everything I've seen and everything I've heard in talking to him today, he just seems like just the loveliest, warmest person. So I'm not surprised uh, that that was your experience. Did You discovered the show later in life? No. Yeah, I discovered it last January. I'm I'm 34, going on 35. Oh yeah, so you missed it the first time. Do we have Glenn back on the line? What's uh, we're very technically advanced here on the Adam Sank show. <laughs> I hope I do get to speak to him. Glenn. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you now, dude. All right, sorry about that. Sorry, Glenn. So, uh, Frank, quickly, what what do you want to say to Glenn? Glenn, it's Frank, your fellow gay Staten Islander. Frank Malone, what's up, dude? How you doing, Paisan? It's so good to hear you. Uh, it's good to hear your voice, too. I always enjoy talking to you on social media, dude. Thank you so much oh. for calling in to Adam's show. Oh, my pleasure. I I had the time today, and I figured, what the hell? Let me sit down, and, oh, this is like, oh, this is wonderful. This is the high point of the day for me. Frank, we're going to let you go, because I have a million more questions for Glenn, but thank you so much too. for calling in. I don't want to take another uh, caller, because I'm afraid we're going to cut Glenn off again, and our time is so short. Okay. Should we? Do, what do you think? Can you promise me we won't cut him off this time? Yes. All right. Caller, caller, you say what? Oh, I promised wrong. <laughs> Hi, uh, Lee Hassinger, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry. Who is this? <laughs> Lee Hassinger, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hi, Lee. Your first name is fine. What do you have to say to Glenn Scarpelli? Do you have a question for him? I just wanted to thank him. He became a Facebook friend of mine in February of last year, and we've been corresponding regularly about the show. And I just want to thank him for being genuine and. Uh, a genuine friend. Thanks. Thank you so much for calling, Lee. And honestly, uh, Jeff did hang up on Glenn for the second time in a row. Uh, the first time, I did not hang up. This is the most pathetic radio show ever. Up. Glenn Scarpelli, who owns a television studio, is probably laughing his ass off at what a bunch of bumblers we are. Glenn, we're calling you back. I'm sorry. Uh, you're a dick. No more calls. You're a dick. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm a dick? Yeah. How am I a dick? I said I don't want to do this because I don't want to cut him off again. Is he back? Yes. Glenn, can back. you hear us? I'm back. I am so fucking embarrassed. Now Glenn is never going to marry Glenn, me. Glenn, it's my fault. Don't blame Adam. I'm the technology guy for this show. It didn't work. It's my fault. I'm so embarrassed. I heard you promised too, dude. I know. He's I'm embarrassed. He's probably drunk. Huh? Katie's been like feeding us gray goose by the court over here. I oh, my God. Katie's awesome. <laughs> yes, she is. So, Glenn, here's, I, I have so many more questions. Okay. So, you're in Hollywood. You're a teenager. You're secretly yes. gay. Not you're, anymore. You're adorable. Does Do you get inappropriately propositioned by older men in the business, which we hear about all the time? I wish. You know, I don't know about inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, don't we all wish for that when we're young and yeah, but come out it yet? It shouldn't happen. Oh, come on. I mean, like, is there such a thing? No. Um, so basically, I, you know, I, I really never did. I mean, there were guys my age that kind of came on to me. Ricky Schroeder. And I would, <laughs> no, not Ricky Schroeder. So hot. Um, but, like, you know, there were guys my age for sure that I totally wanted to do. And I just refrained, you know. And in those days, I had a publicist who would, like, hook me up for all these, you know, PR parties and shit. And, you know, I went out with Jill Whelan from The Love Boat, who was one of my best friends in the whole fucking she world. played Captain Stupid. You had daughter a beard. Vicky. Yes. Yeah, and I did three Love Boats, and she and I were best friends. And Kim Fields from Facts of Life, Kim and I were such good friends. Like, we would hang out and do homework afterwards. And so I played this whole, like, straight world that I didn't want to fuck with because it was working. You know, I mean... It, you didn't I tell the girls it. you were gay? 
I did not. I didn't come out to anybody till I was with Gary nobody, when I was like. Okay. 20. No teenagers came out in the early eighties. Listen, just you just told a story about coming out at nineteen. I don't know if the like no. Kim Fields thing was before or after nineteen. Fuck you. So when <laughs> I'm ignoring you, so Glenn, well, I wasn't. I wasn't fucking anyone either. I mean, I was doing. A, I just wasn't. I just was. I was jerking off a lot. Right. I'll tell you that much. As was yeah. I to you, but um, but, but so but so you never had like some sleazy agent or producer being like, hey, I can really help your career if you come over to my house tonight. You didn't have to deal with any of that shit, right? I didn't have any of that shit. I hear these stories and I'm like, why? Wasn't I cute? What, what was the problem? <laughs> I know, because Corey Feldman talks like about it all the time. Do you think you were protect- You were well protected by the adults in your life? It's pr- that's probably what it was. I really do feel I was well protected. I really do. I, I feel like I had a very stable, I mean, as stable as that life could be, um, because it is an askewed life in many ways. One of the, the, the biggest things for me was money. Like, I didn't understand money growing up because, like, I made, I thought it was a lot of money. And then, like, my friends were making so much more money than me. So at one point I went to my mother. I said, Mom, do I need to get a second job? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Honey, no, you don't need to get a freaking second job. <laughs> so, you know, it's an askewed life in a lot of ways. But I was protected. Like, I really was. You know, like, I, okay, I'll tell you an example. Like, Dana Plato, you know, from, from yes. different strokes, right? Mm-hmm. Now, she was partying really hard. I didn't even fucking know it. And one time we were on the back lot of Universal Studios, and she says, Glenn, let's get one of those golf carts and drive into the, into the Universal Studios tour. I'm like, okay, that sounds like fun. So she's whacked out of her gourd, and she's driving. And we went through, I don't know if you've been on the tour, but you know the tunnel that, like, spins? Yes. And you feel like you're going upside down. Mm-hmm. And, like, we went through that, and all of a sudden, these alarms went off, security <laughs> came, and then they brought us to, like, the president of the company's offices, like, you know, like the principal's office, and they threatened to fire us because we broke all these laws and, oh, and all this shit. So, like, I was really this naive young guy that was living a very straight-laced life, truly. And it seems like so many child stars go the opposite route. I mean, you have people like Dana Plato and, uh, and, and so many others who got McKenzie, mixed up. Look at McKenzie and Mackenzie Phillips. And Mackenzie had an insane life. I mean, with that father and... And, and mother. Everything was... She, she, I think she had like 10 strikes against her before she was even born. And uh, yeah. I think it's great that she's survived as long as she has and continues to fight for her sobriety. Um, oh my God! I'm so proud of her. You know how close we are. You I are close, and and I I see that you're so close with that cast, and you know and, until they passed with Bonnie Franklin and Pat Harrington, and and yeah. I see your pictures with with Mac and with Valerie Bertinelli. How do you stay so close to people that you worked with 30 years ago? Well, you know, I think there was really just something special that happened back then, and we weren't close throughout the entire years. Actually, Bonnie and I remained the closest. I, I remained the closest with Bon consistently through the years because her stepdaughter, Julie, and I are, like, best friends. So huh. I did Thanksgiving at Bon's house every year, and, like, we really spend time together. I would watch her dogs when she would travel, and I'd oh. watch the men. I'd, I'd always say, hey, Bon, I'll watch the dogs. Can I watch them at your beach house? <laughs> she said, yeah, you could go up to the beach house. So I fucking love that. And um, But we were close. So I think there was just something really special that was created back in those days that was actually real. Like, we really became a family. Yeah. But, like, you know, even with Mac and Val, 
you know, we were young, so there were there was like a decade or two, you know, along the way, or periods of some years where we didn't talk, especially Mackenzie, because she did go into some shadow sides of herself and kind of lost contact with all of us, and we all knew what was going on. But it wasn't until her book came out and she was able to deal with the sexual abuse yeah. that she's really able to heal herself. And, like, we, we're really tight. She comes out and visits Sedona all the time. I, I just spoke to her yesterday. She called me on her way to work. And, like, we really caught up. I mean, we're really close. So we brought a lot to each other's lives, a lot of understanding, a lot of love, a lot of healing. Like, we've processed a lot of that stuff out together because... We all have our pain in life, you know, yes. and, and, and the one thing I want to say in, in, on behalf of, you know, child industry actors is when it comes to drug abuse, addiction hits everybody. You know, maybe the ones that are on TV might get some attention for it, but addiction is not about being a child actor. Right. That's exactly you know, right. Drug addiction and alcohol abuse is just a disease that can hit absolutely anybody. And Mackenzie is just one of those people that became a voice and her survival of sexual abuse, you know, and that was what, so much of that was what was, she was numbing. So it wasn't until she was able to say that out loud, because that's so taboo, that she was really beginning, really was on the path to her healing. Right. right. So I'm so proud of her. Her new book is called Hopeful Healing. I actually wrote the foreword to her book. Oh, that's awesome. It's so. I mean, I, I think know. it speaks. It speaks to the kind of person you are and the kind of person she is. That you've remained so close after all these years, and that you've been you've remained involved in each other's lives that way. Because I I, I have a feeling that's not the norm for people that are on TV shows together. You know. Well, you know, I think <clears throat> there were a lot of things about that show that were not the norm. <clears throat> after I did one day at a time, I have to have a little sip of water. Oh my god, dude, it's so fucking dry. You know, I'm having a terrible heat wave here. Yeah, what is it like a hundred? Yeah, like the in Sedona. planes can't even. Fly out of that area. Don't even talk about it. I can't stand it. It's never this hot. I live in the mountains. I live in Sedona, Arizona, in the mountains, and we never get over 100 degrees. It was 106 yesterday or something. Oh, that's unbearable. But anyway. Are you, are you naked right now, Glenn? Well, I'm wearing a sarong. <laughs> that's so wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so What's so wrong with that? What's so wrong with that? Tweet, oh. out, tweet out a picture of you in a sarong. I want to see it. <laughs> You can follow Glenn at Glenn Scarpelli on Twitter. Oh, my God. I'll have to take off my shirt first. Please do. (laughs) I'm sorry. You were saying uh, about after you did One Day at a Time, I know you did a series called Jennifer Slept Here with uh, Angelian. Exactly, which was a wonderful experience. But I'll tell you, so, like, the first day on the set of Jennifer Slept Here, we we had our table read, and then I... I, we had a lunch, and then I sat back at the table, which is what we always did every Monday with One Day at a Time. And then we'd go by page by page, the cast, the writers, the producers, and go through everything. And we'd give notes, and we'd give our input, and we would rewrite scenes together. And Pat Harrington played a very big role in the comedy aspects of the show for every character. Like, we all sat around and made that like a team effort, you know, a real family putting together this creative process every week. And Bon always encouraged me, even at 14, I used, I used, when I first got on the show, I never said a fucking word. And then she's like, you have to speak up. You have to come with notes. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, you think these old farts know how to write for a 14-year-old? She's like, you, That's you, so have, true. To, you, you have to speak up. Yeah. I'm like, wow. So I really had a voice. We all did. It was this wonderful creative team. And then I do Jennifer Slept here. So we have lunch and I sit back down at the table and the associate producer comes over to me and says, your call time tomorrow will be 10 o'clock. I said, oh, okay, thanks. I just kept sitting there. 
And then she's like, um, so we'll see you then. And I said, oh, we're not going to sit around and rewrite the script? And she said, well, we are. And I was like, oh. That's okay. not how it works on this show. It's yeah. not how it worked on any other show. Maybe MASH. MASH and Norman's shows were a special kind of thing. So I think I, I share that story with you guys because I think that's why we became the family we became because we did something special together right. and the way we did it was in a very special way. And you all got to be creative together, which is always a bonding experience. Glenn, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I feel like we've scraped the surface and only the surface, but in the couple minutes remaining, tell us about your life today. I know you're in Sedona. I know you're happily married and you and your husband own a, a, a TV station. Is that right? Actually, um, yes. Yes, indeed. We're not legally married, oh. Jerry and I. I, I um, still have I a chance. I originally started the TV station with my ex-husband, oh. who um, I was divorced. And Jerry and I were friends for 22 years. And then he was with someone, I was with someone. And then uh, we both became available. Mm -hmm. And uh, look at us now. So we've been together um, going on six years, but... Uh, we bought a house together here in Sedona. I do own a local television station called Sedona Now. I also um, do an event here called Sedona World Wisdom Days where we have incredible speakers come in and talk. It's kind of like TED Talks Sedona style. And we've had Norman Lear here and Mackenzie and Greg Luganis and all these wonderful people. So, you know, my heart is in a lot of different places. I, I did a, a half-hour uh short with Mackenzie here in Sedona not too long ago that we're talking about the possibility of developing something like that into a TV series. So hmm. I just, I really, I'm, I'm in a creative space, but I love my life. Adam, you have to come visit us in Sedona. You should do a show from here sometime. I would love to come visit you. And I've never been to Sedona. My parents have been, and they said it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, so I will come sometime when it's not 106 degrees. Yeah, um, it's usually not 106 fucking <laughs> degrees. Let me just say that, okay? We have four beautiful seasons. We get snow in the winter. It's in the mountains. It's really, if anyone has not seen Sedona, come to Sedona. And for those people uh, listening right now or on the replay, you can check out Sedona Now, the TV station that Glenn owns. It's at SedonaNow.net. You can follow Glenn on Twitter, at Glenn Scarpelli. He's going to tweet naked pictures of himself. Uh, with and without the sarong. And um, I can't thank you enough for this. I'm really happy that we, we got to do this. It's weird that our first conversation was on the radio, but um, I, I consider you a friend. I, I feel the same way, Adam. I've been such a fan of yours, too. I think you're freaking hilarious. Thank you. I can't wait to meet you in person. I'm still trying to work on that weekend pass negotiation. Yes. So... We'll, uh, we'll see how all that goes. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great awesome, Glenn Scarpelli. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us. I'm Adam Sank. This is the Adam Sank Show. This is our last show for now. There may be future shows. Keep uh, listening. Keep tuning in to DerekandRomaine.com. My love to all of you and happy... Derek and Romaine presents Adam Sank. You just heard a bit of Derek and Romaine. If you like what you hear, you should be subscribing to the new Derek and Romaine show. Subscribing has never been easier or cheaper. 
So for less than seven bucks a month, you can get a ton of great stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like you can listen to the live show that airs every day on weekdays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Plus, you can also get a personal URL to stream the live show and download past episodes on your favorite podcast app. You've been listening to Derek and Romaine for free. Isn't it time you started paying and subscribed to the all-new Derek and Romaine? Sip on this. Thirsty for news? Let's get into this tea with Orlando and Lexi. On DNR for all that scandalous facts and all things LGBTQ, let's go. What's up? It's your girl Lexi and I'm going to take you to my church. Savannah, who was only 12 years old, stood before her Mormon church and told them she identifies as a lesbian and told them that God intended her to make her that way. As soon as